And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. How about them Cowboys indeed? Okay, we're back. The About Them Cowboys podcast, the Athletic Podcast Network, took a week off. John took a little vacation, put the feet up down in Hawaii, you know, wore all white, took a lot of photos. But a lot of Cowboys news happened over the past week. Never fails with the Dallas Cowboys. Try to take some time off, and they'll come at you. And so here we are to talk about it. But the three, the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. We've got Saad Youssef off Stars Duty. We've got John off vacation. And, of course, your host from Sports and & Such and the Ben & Skin Show, Kevin K.T. Turner, is back. Welcome back, K.T. Well, thank you, and uh, good to see you guys again. Let's get things going here because uh, right when John takes off to get just a couple days, man, the whole Cowboys universe implodes. Actually, not really. I, I've The question I have first, because we know the big story on ESPN, I, I think by now, unless you've been living under a rock, we don't need to detail any of those things. It's a, the article's by uh, Don Van Nata. You, you've probably seen it. If you haven't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, where you been. How much does the fan give a damn about this because I know for us in the media like we know um we know rich who you know was the accused in this piece we know him and have known him for a long time uh, i've kind of the whole time i mean we talked about it on the air on my radio show and i know other radio shows have talked about it how much does the fan care about this i i still i kind of think they do because it's the cowboys and it's salacious yeah i think they care um i don't know to what degree but it certainly matters because of other things like this happening in the NFL. So that's going to make people care. And then the fact of, I think it's pretty safe to say Rich is one of the most known PR guys in the NFL, if not around all of sports, just because he's always been around Jerry and Jerry always makes news. So, uh, and then on top of it, you know, I mean, Rich has been, uh, when Jerry was on Entourage, Rich was in there. Uh, you know, Des has one of the most notable blowups in a locker room in the NFL of the last decade plus and yells out, fix this shit, Rich. So even if you didn't know, like you're going to start piecing things together. So I think, yeah, people don't know who Rich is like they know who Stephen Jones or Charlotte Jones are. But I think Rich is right in that mix of people that you just are used to seeing. So when you hear the story, it's not like it's somebody that is that works back in like, like marketing or sales or, you know, like. The thing that I was thinking about a lot when I read a lot of this stuff is it reminded me of just things that have happened recently with the Dallas Mavericks. And there's just a lot of people involved in that Maverick story where you're like, I don't really know who this person is. And I know some people that work for the Mavs and I've never heard them even mention this person. But with Rich Dalrymple, he's been around. I mean, to be Jerry's, you know, right hand man going all the way back to the, you know, when Jerry bought the team, you're going to I mean, you're going to know who he is. And so obviously I think fans care to that point. I would say another factor in it, though, is that Rich retired two weeks before the story comes out. And so I think if he's still with the team, it's a 
it, it makes a little bit more, more noise because then it's like, why is he still employed and why isn't the NFL stepping in on something like this? So there's several different ways to look at it, but um, I do think I do think fans care though. Yeah, I think fans care. I think it's just the the fact that he retired kind of uh, takes it off the front page headlines. But I think, like you said, John, it's just so he's just so visible. And as a PR guy, I mean, he, the the other thing is that uh, that a lot of times the PR people are kind of going with the vibe and going with the way that a lot of their uh, a lot of the people that they're looking out for on the team go with. So it raises some more questions within the organization and just you know, how things are run. Like you said, with the Mavericks, it's not necessarily um, those sole actions. It's about the culture. And it's about, you know, like like when you when, when the Mavericks story did come out, it was about the culture of, uh, you know, uh, of all those kind of uh, sexual harassment, all that stuff. And so if Rich is doing that stuff, it, I think it also kind of raises that question of what, what kind of culture the Cowboys have. Well, and the other reason why I think fans would care too is, I mean, I forgot to mention this first off. I mean, this isn't just any cheerleading team I and mean, this is a cheerleading team that is very well known um there are certainly people that watch their reality show that probably don't care at all about football um and so because of that as well that that ties in, in another group of people as well that 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 take this story to another level too that make it uh even more of a, a headline type thing you know and then also i mean just the stuff that's gone on recently in washington it just makes it makes it look like this is going on all throughout the NFL. Um, it started with a cheerleader thing there too, didn't it? Yeah. With a, with a video going around, uh, yeah. From right. Like, like bloopers or something from cheerleaders yeah. or something. Well, I, I know Washington has gotten compared to this a little bit, but to me, it almost reminds me more of a college when you see internal investigation, mm-hmm. you know, they mean like, Oh, hold on. We've got this. Hold on. We've got we're, this. Yeah, the, we're we will investigating do the investigation. ourselves. And yeah, then the, yeah. the way the way the NFL operates is like, oh, no, you guys, uh, you did your internal investigation. You took the proper steps. I mean, it just feels like things could have gone way differently if a the security guard in the article talked about this in the beginning. The security guard wanted to go to the police. Well, what if he does immediately? I mean, I think that changes everything. So it, it's wild too. I mean, it, it, chronologically. Uh, I don't know about that though. I could be wrong on this, KT. But how do you know if, if well, the police involved, they could look at it and, and get the same stuff that yeah, there's a absolutely. police report filed and right. stuff. Maybe and gets be out, like, gets we didn't get there. another phone. This is what we have. You know, there's but, only so much we can look into. These NDAs were signed. Yeah. Uh, I, there's no. I'm just saying, there's no guarantee that it it changes if if the police were involved. It's just the the way it was reported, and it was reported. You know, Donovan not as excellent reporter absolutely um um but like the way it was reported makes it very easy for your mind to go places and start thinking well what if here and you absolutely know, well the, the thing that i started to go is okay internal investigation okay security guard wanted to go there we know about the money involved in the nda why did it take eight days to meet with the cheerleaders in person well that feels like and just makes it's very easy for me to go here it makes it very easy to go well uh, they had to get rid of footage they had to get right. rid of footage. They had to get rid of the chicken's phone. Like it just feels like it's very easy for your mind to go to cover up. I'm not saying it is, but it's very easy for your mind to think that. Well, and just if if you're completely innocent of, of all of this, and this is just complete misunderstanding, I think this. I, I don't know. I think the most easiest, simplest way to to come to conclusion is, all right, you got the you got the the key card, you got the time that he he entered. 
all you have to do is show how much, how long he was in there. I mean, I know it seems simple, but like if the person is only in there and, and clocks out or the, or I don't know if it, it's the key card would read it on the way out or it would be a video uh, from the, the video cameras outside the surveillance cameras outside the locker room. But if he's only in there for like, you know, five, 10 seconds, I don't, I don't think you have much of anything, but if you get that info and he was in there for two, three minutes, it's going to be hard to prove that you're just using the bathroom and, and, and didn't know. Oh, whoa, whoa. The cheerleaders are in here too. I mean, they're just that there's some, there's some logic there that if you just gave out that information, it would end a lot of any speculation that not only we're having right now, but many others have had in the previous week. Now, so it's very interesting that it was two years, you know, 2015, you know, the me too movement started kind of like spinning its wheels and maybe 2017, um, you know, and things like that. And it makes me wonder if it would have been handled any differently um, by the Cowboys looking at public pressure. Maybe not. It's the Cowboys. I think power dynamics really come into play here. Uh, there's a feeling, I, I would imagine, by some people in that organization that you're a little bit untouchable because, you know what, sometimes you are. Um, so it, I, Just between us, I mean, between us, if you were to you know rank in hierarchy the organization, it'd be Jones family and Rich would have been like the next person, right? Probably. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other thing that's wild, though, is you go to the chronological thing is what happened allegedly in May, according to Randy Horton. And I think immediately when you read the article, it's go, what? A guy on Facebook said he saw that. The guys on Facebook watching the stream said he saw it. And then I start to go, well, instead of jumping to guy on Facebook, shouldn't we assume that most teachers are good? Like most teachers are good. I know not all are, but most teachers are good. I was like, well, the guy is a teacher and a lifelong Cowboys fan. So I think that balances out the guy on Facebook claim. It's more than just, well, a, I mean, okay, yeah, hold going. on here. I, I mean, maybe I'm just, uh, wired differently than, than most people. But like, if I'm watching anything on TV and something happens that annoys me, if it's something that let's say like it's a basketball game or it's anything or something, I think that's funny that happened. One of the first things I do is I go to Twitter because I know if it's something that people are watching, there's going to be other people that are commenting on it too. I just find it very hard to believe with how many people would be watching that live stream, not to mention like everybody, every one of us that covers the draft, you watch that because there are big time tells in, in that room with which coaches are in there and things like that, of which direction they're going to be going. Th this wasn't on a seventh round pick on the, like the last day where people are like, Man, I don't even know who's even watching this stream anymore. A lot of times they take it down. But on the first night of the draft, people are glued to that stream. And there's nobody else that, like, on Twitter or anything, I was like, hey, did you see that in the draft room? This is, like, right before they drafted Byron Jones or right after. I don't remember what yeah. it was exactly. Like, there's a lot of people watching that. Nobody else noticed this at all except for one guy. It just, it seems. Nobody's watching Rich. That seems. It's not, well, it's not about watching Rich. It's the fact of, like, there's only five people on the screen. And if somebody's doing something as ridiculous as that, and it's that obvious that you file a complaint about it, I find it hard to believe that there aren't at least minimum 15 other people that saw something similar. And so if you whittle out 15, how was there not at least one or two other people that were like, I saw that too? How, I don't know how I could say, how I could, I don't know, beat around the bush enough to, um, I don't know. I, I was running the stream that day. Uh, just so happened to be uh, the Byron's own stream. And there are times, uh, not in this incident, but there are times, I guess, in the past where we things would happen uh, over the course of years and we would wonder if anybody saw it. 
right? And so we would do that. We would check Twitter and see if anybody saw anything or was tweeting example. about it. Give me a what? hypothetical that didn't really happen, just something though. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. Jason Garrett picked his nose. Yeah, there's no way I wouldn't notice so, that. Something like, like that. First round pick. Something like that. I'm not. I'm not going to give the example because I don't want to implicate fine. anybody for anything. Yeah. You know that they don't want to be implicated. I'm just telling but, you, man. That, but that, there were times where stuff draft. did happen that we saw that we got concerned about, and we'd be like, you know, see if anybody would tweet about it, and one person did. One. Yeah. And the stuff that we knew and saw happened. So if you're saying that. 15 people would have been tweeting if this happened. I, that's what I, I don't know if I can agree with that because okay, okay, again, stuff that we saw, those, only one me, other person add, on, me, got okay, on Twitter. Are any, of those things, any of those things as close to as ridiculous as someone taking an upskirt photo on a woman who's wearing a long skirt? It's not like she's wearing some short skirt where you kind of like half quick do it or something like that. Like she's wearing a long skirt. It would. I just don't understand how that there wouldn't be something there where more than one person would notice something that ridiculous with somebody with their phone doing that. It's like the draft's the, happening, man. There's a lot going on. Yeah, no on. comment. Draft's no happening. Comment, but, it's but quick. I think it's yeah. I, I think no rewind. I the guy signed a signed an affidavit that he saw what he saw. I can't deny the guy's the guy's testimony, but you know, for the question is 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 if the evidence was there, why wasn't something done sooner? You know, why why did it take this story to come out in 2022 for 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 anything to happen? And I guess that's. That's the big question. Well, I think it's because it's big business and it's hard to get anything to come out on the record. We all hear stuff, yeah. but it's another to sit there and to legally be able to put something out there. These people have signed NDAs. It makes it difficult. It's not as easy as just, hey, go round up some people. It's wild. Those are the things like multiple quotes in the article. And I'm paraphrasing right now because so I don't have to print it out in front of me. But it was just little things like the idea that the cheerleaders knew that it would do them no good to say anything. And that is... I mean, honestly, that's me too, to a T. Yeah. That is power dynamics in play. Right. And 2015, I don't know. I mean, you fast forward this thing to 2019, I think we might be looking at a different story. Right. Um, they did, they did go the, forward and they, nothing happened. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. Got, they got paid, but that's not what they wanted. And it right. might be over. They wanted his, his ass gone. That might be right. it. It never happened. I mean, there's a part of me that kind of thought this would, uh, there might be more coming down the pike. And I guess there could be. Um, but sure. that might be it. I mean, especially when a, the day after that story drops, the NFL's like, oh, we're satisfied with their internal investigation. I'm like, oh, we're not going to ask any questions about the internal investigation. Cause I, I have, I definitely have problems about it. Why eight days? Why did yeah. it take eight days to meet with them in person? I, I don't understand for the life of me. Um, Cohen, uh, in the article who was, uh, his title escapes me, uh, right now. He's the lead, the lead lawyer, basically. Yeah. And he says in the article, well, yeah, I guess Rich could have lied about his phone. And I was like, well, he could have. What have you ever heard a lawyer say? Well, the guy could have lied. Like, I just don't like hear that. So it's just, I mean, look, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it, If the reporting is accurate, and I have no reason to believe that any of that's inaccurate because it's Don Van Notter, right? I would, uh, I, I just, I think it's real easy to go, well, they're covering stuff up. Not yeah. saying that's what they're doing. It's real easy for your mind to go there, and I, we've all seen stories like this where it's going. Oh, I don't know about that. And, well, I don't know about that. They, boy, this one's very connect the dots. In fact, so connect the dots that at one point they call the incident. They call it the incident, right? In the bedroom, Rich is not denying that he was in there. And and, and the cheerleaders in the story says they ran after him, right? right. Like. 
the, the, the like dude it's, uh, worked for the, the, the stadium had been open for six years at that point. The dude had worked there twenty five years. We're talking about I, mistakenly going into a room that the guy knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, this is it's, it's honestly ridiculous for for any of it to be. I don't know a mistake or I didn't know what I was doing or any of that crap is, is honestly laughable. I mean, well, the other part of it too is, is if all of this is uh, completely true, like how are you to believe with something that's that ridiculous that somebody would do that? Who, why would you, why, if, why would you believe that's the only time they've ever done something like that? Yeah. Same. Yeah. How many times had he used that key card? Yeah. That, that they didn't know about it. Right. That, that, those are the things that, that kind of honestly kind of frustrates me about it is, okay, so internal investigation, we should be able to get key card access. We should know that. We should know all that. We should be able to, and because it's seven years ago, maybe maybe you couldn't get it this soon. Um, okay, uh, stream, what happened on the stream? We have a copy of the live stream from 2015. Like that, that to me is very frustrating. Yeah. Why it take eight days? It seems, it seems there, like an easy fix. Just put out the... Put out the clip in question. A lot, of, a lot of things that kind of go. And then you throw in his retirement, which, you know, okay, that's uh, that's very strange. And, you know, there wasn't much of a, a send-off, I guess, for a guy who'd been there for 32 years. It wasn't much of a send-off for his retirement. You didn't see much. It was a little, little bit of a story, and that's about it. The only people that you really heard talking good about him were, you know, maybe people on the radio who – I had no idea that you know what might be coming down the line. Not that anyone knew. What, I saw what it in the Dallas Morning line, News, but. and then uh, messaged some people I knew at the Cowboys, and they didn't even know it was happening. Like that, had talked to Rich like in the recent days, you know. Like so, I like it. It was a very quick decision, I think, maybe on his part. It didn't seem like it was leading. He was leading up to that at the end of the season or anything like that. This is this is his last ride, anything like that. It seemed all pretty abrupt, pretty pretty sudden and one day he was there and the next day he wasn't so the other thing is too is when you're a, you're a brand as powerful as the dallas cowboys and you have the money the dallas cowboys do if there is absolutely no chance of any wrongdoing you fight this thing to the end right yeah why you, would you reach a settlement exactly, you would fight this yeah. thing like okay we have all this evidence like you want to take it to court okay yeah I'm telling you, I, this this has nothing to do with this this individual thing. But I will just I haven't been to very many uh, court hearings and other than you know seeing stuff on TV. But the one that I have been to is I went to one of those for when Tony Romo was, was his you know his his cousin's uh, fantasy football convention was going up against the NFL yeah. uh, to have that to have that convention and just the optics of you going against the NFL in a courtroom in Dallas was just stunning to me. I don't know anything about law, but just sitting there and seeing how they rolled in the NFL six deep, which is binders of stuff. You're just like, okay, good luck with this, bud. Like, good luck fighting that. Like you're going against, you're, you're going against a heavyweight here. They're, you're probably not winning this thing just by the optics of this alone. Maybe, maybe you get them in a loophole or something like that. But like when it's big business like that, good luck. Especially when they don't feel like they're in the wrong, like they're gonna okay. You want to take this? Let's go to court. We there's no wrongdoing here. We can prove yeah. there's no wrongdoing here. But to make something go away, where you're like, oh, that's the thing that. And I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying that's the way. It, that's the optics of it. That's the way it looks. Yeah, Sod, how you feel about everything, man? 
Let's just throw no, Sod out there. <laughs> never a dull moment. No, it's not. And I think I think everything that you guys have just kind of been saying is is right on right on uh, right on point. I just think that you know when you look at KT to your point, when you look at just the all the uh, dots that are out there and you connect them all, I just think that there's there's no there there's no way that a lot of this was just accidental. And I do think the the lack of a send off for Rich, given his close personal relationship with Jerry and uh, with the organization in general, with a lot of the players there. Um, everything. Look, I've been in that locker room for for seven years, and I know how the players talk about Rich, how they talk to him. Uh, there, there's like a clear pecking order when it. When, he's not just a PR guy. Like he's, I would say, between the PR guys and actual like ownership, just in terms of how people are treated, he's closer to the ownership side than just you know one of the other three PR guys that are there. So I, I I think there's a lot there's a lot there in the retirement thing and and Kent like I did talk to a couple people in the Cowboys organization as well just on the, like the marketing department and stuff and and they didn't they didn't know that Rich was leaving either it was, came into surprise to everyone so yeah very weird looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, should we talk about what happened the day before that story came out? Let's do it. Old, old Mike McCarthy's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go on the Rich Eisen show out of nowhere just two days after the Super Bowl. I was like, oh, I go on Rich Eisen show all the... N- yeah. Never. Sorry, go on. Me and Rich go way back I mean, to the last time I was on his show. 15 minutes ago. Yeah. 2006 or whatever. No, I, don't, I really don't know. I don't know. But it's like, I, don't, I was like, okay, that's interesting. 
Um, why? Um, two days after the Super Bowl, kind of a notorious dead week. Uh, but here we are. And his comments were, were, were interesting. I got to tell you, I didn't have a problem with any of his comments. So I know um, I might be a little notorious for being critical of McCarthy. I actually kind of like some of the things that he said. Um, although some of the things that did make me roll my eyes because I have heard him say things like this before, but you don't really ever see anyone call out the landscape, as he he called it, landscape of the organization in a subtle and unexpected manner like that. At least, and maybe that's just being brainwashed by years of Jason Garrett (laughs) covering this team, because he would never... But for Mike McCarthy to basically just go out and say, hey, look, you guys don't understand. Coach the Cowboys, a little different than uh, coaching somewhere else. Um, Ken, I know you had some audio there. I would like to start uh, with him uh, discussing uh, – uh, yeah, yeah. Do, we can go right, th- right there. Discussing Dan Quinn coming back. Can we start there? Yep. There uh, Dan Quinn being here is, was very important to me and our organization. You know, I think it's uh, – the reality of it is, you know, Dan and I had visited long before he ever took a head coach interview, frankly, long before the playoffs even started, mm-hmm. you know, about uh, how happy he is here, um, you know, and, and I envy him in some ways where, you know, as a head coach, you get pulled away from the things that really you you were you advanced in this league. So, I mean, the joy that he was having coordinating, uh, he's been a tremendous asset for me, you know, personally and professionally, just, you know, just having another – another individual with, with the experience of, of a head coach. So, um, you know, we talked about him staying here, you know, long before he even took it, took the interview. Now, obviously when he took the interview and then this, you know, this, this narrative broke out, uh, I think it in reflection to the relationship that Dan and I do have, you know, he just said, Hey man, if I'm not comfortable with this narrative, um, you know, if, if, if you really feel like I need to take one of these jobs, you know, just, be honest with him and, and I we kind of laughed about it and I just said Dan 10 to 12 years ago I, I'd, I'd tell you please get the hell out of here I don't want to deal with this but the, the reality of it is I'm about winning he's about winning and the best thing for the Cowboys is for Dan Quinn to be here and you no know, obviously it was his decision his alone but I you know I clearly wanted him to know from from the start of all that that uh you know I wanted him here yeah I don't think uh you know I think some people probably listen to that and feel like, ah, Jerry's not going to like to hear that. I think Jerry's just fine with it. And the reason being why, I think all of this was done on purpose. I think Jerry was trying to light a fire under his ass. I think Jerry was disappointed with the way the season ended. He wasn't going to change head coaches. And he didn't like the fact that it ended the way it did with a team that looked nothing like any of the other teams that advanced in the playoffs. And And he thinks that this is one of the best rosters he's ever had. And I think... Jerry said a lot of the things he said on purpose, and I don't think Jerry cares to take any of them back. I think he really, this was Jerry's way of like lighting a funder, light, lighting a fire under Mike and to just kind of, you know, kind of show, hey, you know, we like Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's got a chance. He could be the, the coach of the Cowboys one day. Sean Payton was in a similar situation. Jason Garrett, like, there's no accident that Jerry just accidentally said any of that stuff. It just slipped out. Now, Jerry, Jerry knew what he was doing. And I, and I believe the whole entire time that that's what he was doing. And that's why, and, and I believe that Mike knows that. And so how is Mike going to respond to that? Was he going to, was he going to start tweeting? Is he going to, is he going to yeah. reach out and say, we need to have a press conference about this? No, he's going to call up somebody that he knows uh, and be like, Hey, 
how can I get this word out? You know, simplest way possible, quickest way, whatever, to let my, my feelings be known. And, and, and that's the take I got from very on, early on in that interview when, when Rich Eisen began asking the question and, and Mike said, how much time do we got here? Is this an hour? That doesn't sound like somebody that, you know, just got, they just decided to reach out to and it just happened to be like, oh, hey, I'm available today. I got nothing going on. I'll talk to you. Like, it just, and, and, and that's good. Mike should stand up for himself. So I don't, I don't think that, that Jerry or has any issues with this. And, and Mike can sit there and compare it to the Packers and stuff. But like, I don't know. Why'd you take this job if you did? I mean, how, there's a part of me that's like, how did you not know this is how it goes down here? Like, I mean, well, I mean, you're the one saying that, like, you know, you didn't, you, you didn't watch all the plays. You wanted the job. Do you not do the due diligence on the way the organizations yeah. run because you just wanted the job? I mean, these are these are things that I I think are I don't think they're unrealistic to ask. The the other thing, so I, I agree with you that Jerry wouldn't have a problem with that, but would Jerry have a problem with him bringing up Sean Payton? Because we have that clip, and I think we should play that because this is where I thought that Mike probably might have taken it too far. But I like that Mike was standing up for himself. Mike understands more than anyone, if they don't make it to the championship game or even win a Super Bowl or to the Super Bowl, that Sean Payton or Dan Quinn's probably the head coach after when? next year. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You said Mike understands. When? When do you think that he would un- You think he would understand that if they underachieve next year? Because I don't. You don't I, think he would under- understand that? No. I, I think, think he knows. I think that's no. why he did this. No, 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 no. I think he, yeah, I think he knows it's a good possibility, but, but if, there's also. I can see him if he's still the head coach next year at this time and they have a similar season they had last season. He'll talk about how that they're still building through the draft and, and they're getting it to where they need it to go. I mean, we've heard this the last two years. I, I, I don't think he would be I don't think he'd be that stunned either way. But now with him saying some of this stuff, yeah, he's you know, he's showing that it kind of annoys him. But I think Jerry was kind of annoyed that, you know, when, when Jerry says stuff like, I don't want to have to wait till the end of the season to make these adjustments when we see stuff that's going wrong during the season. That, to me, was a shot at, at Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff for not for making sure. adjustments. And then to, to play the way they did in the playoffs as, as poorly as they played at home, uh, the only wild card team to lose at home and play that poorly at home, uh, I think that, that, yeah, all of this is Jerry did all of this on purpose to light a fire. All right, let's play the cut here. Yeah. It is unusual for an owner to say this sort of stuff, certainly about a coordinator that that you have a great relationship with and has done a terrific job. I mean, so that's why I'm just wondering, do you do you address it directly with him at all? Yeah, no, we talked about it. Uh, we, we, we talked about Dan's situation. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, we talked about Sean Payton's narrative also. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been discussed. You have discussed yeah. that with him. What is what is is anything you can share uh, that you have discussed? Well, no, I mean, just, really, the, the, just the conversation was, you know, uh, you and I are in this, you know, back to back and, uh, you know, it's a partnership and, you know, just focus on what we need to do moving forward. Um, and, you know, and he, he made some personal comments about, you know, how, how he feels about it. But, you know, that, that's really for, for him and I. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I'm very, very comfortable with our relationship and our dialogue. I mean, it's uh, at the end of the day, we both want the same thing. The, okay. com- the comment that stuck out to me was he had some personal comments that stayed between us about how he feels about it, about Sean Payton, you know, like, you know, uh, that Sean's my guy, you know, and just, we go way back, you know, uh, just so you know, it's, 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 there's nothing to do with you. It's just, if Jerry said that, why wouldn't he share that? 
There's nothing there that would make Mike not want to share anything you Keep between us. Keep it, keep it off the record. Keep it all why off are the you record. Call, why are you calling up Rich Eisen then? You're clearly trying to put stuff out there. So I think it was I think it was a little bit more pointed than that. But that's fair. What do you think, Saad? I, I I think the fact that like you know that he's even he brought it up kind of unprompted was was kind of interesting there. The fact I don't think Rich even has it kind of caught Rich off guard too. And when he brought up Sean Payton's name, and I think I think that's where you know that Mike kind of Mike's trying to you know get in control of the whole situation, and and I feel like he kind of felt like the the last few weeks or so just kind of everything was being said or written about him and now he's trying to get ahead of it I don't think that he I, I, you know it's because he's opened it up and to questions for Jerry and Mike where now everything that was just rumor mill is now substantial now it's real now you can ask Jerry you can ask Mike about Sean Payton they both know it's the elephant in the room and I think Mike McCarthy just wanted to kind of get ahead of it on his own terms Mike just barged into Jerry's office. What the hell is this Peyton crap? And Yikes. and Jerry calmly said, don't lose in the first round to San Francisco at home. Yeah, we won't be talking hard. about this. I mean, I mean, take care of business. Don't look, don't look like a team that's completely unprepared in the biggest game of the year when that's all we were told all year is how this is ramping up to when we're going to play our best ball at the end of the year. And we probably played our worst ball. Are we done here? Cool. I was Thanks. very motivated. Thanks for coming in. By home team starring Kevin James, uh, Mike, and I just need you to know, do whatever it takes to get that man in this building. Did you watch that? Did I? Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, had to. John, a, did you not, John? No, no. Oh. I'll get around to it. I won't. Why not? This doesn't look good. Oh, you only watch things. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You only watch things. Watch it. Oh wow! So you've never seen Draft Day? Well, I had to. That yeah, was part thanks. Of, uh, thanks well, for coming. I didn't volunteer to do draft day. Yeah, it was, thanks it for was more of a, the place I work with. Yeah, I go meet the listeners and watch draft day, that type of thing. I do not hate, hate draft day as much as oh, others I, do. I do. I, I think it's fine. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's like really the worst thing. Bury, I've seen bury some ashes on draft day on the yeah. mid- midfield. I guess if you watch like Anchorman 2. Weird, weird relationships happening within organizations. Uh, I guess after you watch it. After you watch Anchorman 2, you can just kind of take anything in and be like, yeah, well, it is what it is. Airbud wide retrievers better than draft day. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's yeah, that throwing right. football to a dog. <laughs> I'm just well, talking. I think I'm not saying it's great. And- why, why do we have to, like, if you're Costner, like, you know football a little bit, right? Probably. You've done a lot of sports movies. Like, let's maybe, let's maybe get some of this draft currency right. My favorite you thing know? about. <laughs> that's all my. my this is my only issue. When yeah. they're going watching tape on draft day, like they're on the clock, they're like, "Oh, go pull up some of his plays." You know, oh, you guys just now see this? Wow. Yeah, they haven't watched film on the guy until draft. It's funny on that movie too, where they clearly like wrote the movie and they had like fill in the blank as a team. And they're like, "Oh, whatever, whatever team does it," and then it ended up being the Browns. <laughs> but the script said like had all these players being like. I've always wanted to be a Cleveland Brown my entire life. It's like that would never. never Hold on, Ken. You're going to say that them going back and watching some tape of a player right before they they draft him is unrealistic, but not the fact that it's no. Let's call the player. The entire movie's unrealistic. Hold on, hold on. Not the part where it's let's call the player and see how many of his teammates were at his 21st birthday. Yeah, as you're on the <laughs> clock, not like in the in doing your due diligence and out at Indy in the combine. 
as you're on the clock, you're asking him how many of his friends came to his 21st birthday. <laughs> it like is. It. It's entertaining me. I like it. I, I do think it's interesting. So they go. Uh, the thing about the draft is they, they were, there was a lot of trading happening last minute. Willy nilly. Uh, we don't have to get into it. KT. It's not a documentary. Listen to this. I'm just saying like. Callahan's teammates didn't invite him to his birthday party yeah. or did to their birthday party or whatever. Like, uh, uh, Swante Mac, no matter what, it didn't matter. Terrible. It didn't, it didn't matter. You're right. I, to, to, to be honest, like that, the Mike McCarthy thing, not that big of a big of a deal. I said, the reason I kind of, I do like him defending himself. Yeah. Even though I it's thought the NFL, that, he should, I think, yeah, I think all the crap that was said about him has been fair though. The things Jerry Absolutely. said was fair. Um, so I, I'm 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 okay with it. I'm okay. okay. If you're a Cowboys fan, you should love this. Also, everybody think- everybody just shutting up and just being happy with what happened last year and nobody being frustrated. That would be ridiculous. People yeah, should and, be angry. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of what happened here for a decade. And that's because the the relationship between the head coach and the owner was so widely different uh, between Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones. Like I I think that's what everyone kind of got used to, but that's not how. It's necessarily supposed to be with really anybody. You go to any organization, but especially not a job as high profile as the Cowboys. Like you shouldn't just be able to skate underneath when uh, when when you're underachieving year after year. Like you should have the fire there. Like Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick. Like that's that's probably the only people who have that kind of security. Everyone else should have these conversations going on when you underachieve the way McCarthy has. Oh yeah, if you if you're Belichick and you've won multiple Super Bowls and you're in charge of bringing in the players on top of it, yeah, you you can get away with whatever you want. But to to come off the season they just came off of with it with being as healthy as they were going into the playoffs, to have the talent that they had and to look as bad as they did, like I mean, that's a huge opportunity that they missed. That there's no guarantee that they, that their roster is as good as it was this past year for the next decade. We don't know that. There's no guarantee that that happens. Like these aren't just, Oh, we'll get them next year. Like how many teams say it? Like, like the Bengals, they probably think like, we'll be back in the Super Bowl next year. Will you Falcons thought they would, you know, like there's no guarantee. And so with these ways, this isn't the NBA where like you can like, ah, well, they were just building. And then like next year, you know, this is, this was just their get over the hump. They're not even close to getting over the hump yet. And if you're not going to do it with that roster and you know, if you're Jerry Jones, like we sit here on these podcasts and we write stories about what guys could be gone, what guys could get back. Jerry already has a really good idea who's going to be gone, who's going to be back. And he knows he's not going to tell us this, but he knows that this roster is not going to be as talented as it was last year. And so he sees that missed opportunity and he's going to be pissed. And how else can he, he's, he obviously isn't going to fire Mike McCarthy. That's clear. Uh, he's, you know, there doesn't appear to be making any other major moves on, on the coaching staff. So this appears like you're pretty coming, coming pretty close to just running this back, uh, coaching staff wise. So do something to light a fire. I, I don't know, man. I, if I like I said, if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd like it. Yeah. And, and, and look, there's a lot of things that are going to happen o- over the next few weeks. Obviously we got combine week coming up, uh, the news there, there was potentially news, but now the combine, has changed its policy, so uh, you're not going to see you're going to see players there. I know the players kind of put in a hard stance that they weren't going to go if they had to be bubbled up. They're not going to be bubbled up. Uh, combine's probably going to be about as normal as possible. Um, so we'll have some stuff there, and that's where maybe maybe we'll get Jerry talking again uh, and see what he's got to say. Uh, and then plenty of stuff is kind of getting ready for the draft and, and free agency. We'll have a free agency podcast 
coming up um, soon with a with a shopping list and, and things like that. But we wanted to catch up on a couple of last week's stories uh, because they were big stories um, on notoriously a week where there's nothing happening after the Super Bowl. Leave it to the Cowboys to spice up the league. Uh, we will return next week. We will have more on About Them Cowboys. Make sure you're following Sod on the Dallas Stars beat. Uh, as the Dallas Stars, you know, it's kind of scrapping away for a playoff spot. Make sure you're following John. He's got a, a piece up uh, right now, you know, so uh, five, uh, you know, positions of need for the Cowboys. There's our f- five needs that, uh, the Cowboys might have this offseason. We'll obviously have a free agency shopping list for you soon. And, and Kent Garrison uh, producing this damn thing like he always does. So, um uh, holler at us on Twitter if you want to want to chat. Also, we're all we're all, we're all just guys who like a good back and forth. All right, we're just like hanging out. So holler at us, and we'll see you next week on About Them Cowboys. Cool, everyone good, everyone happy. Why about y'all fix this shit, bitch?